You're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. I'm joined in the studio by Marius Ruert from the South African Institute of Race Relations. Marius, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Marius, firstly, the, the relevance of the South African Institute of Race Relations. One knows they were extremely active during the apartheid years and even before that. Are they still relevant today? Uh, yes, uh, as I say, we were very um, active during apartheid even before. We were founded in 1929 to uh, foster better relations between uh, the various races of South Africa and to promote uh, liberal ideas in South Africa. I think uh, post-1994, uh, liberalism and liberal ideas are uh, very are still very important and there aren't that many organizations that uh, still uh, promote these uh, kinds of ideas. Uh, one of the most important ones is property rights. And property rights is one that we fought for since 1929 when uh, black South Africans in particular were denied uh, property rights. And we've seen now with the government's current push push to expropriation without compensation, that property rights could be under threat again in South Africa. Uh, property rights are a fundamental uh, building block of any prosperous uh, democracy. Without uh, Property rights uh, are fundamental to uh, other rights, including civil rights. So that is one of the reasons uh, we are fighting very hard to protect property rights. And let me just uh, make it clear that we aren't opposed to land reform. We are opposed to uh, expropriation without compensation, where people's property is taken away from them without uh, the government paying for it. But uh, I do think uh, we still play an important role in South Africa with, uh, as I say, um, the space for liberal ideas is uh, closing in South Africa, and I think uh, we are an important voice in ensuring that they're still heard. Well, something that I found fascinating is that one of the sole voices of, of dissent in Parliament during the apartheid era was Helen Sussman. And in 1947, it was the Institute of Race Relations that actually asked Helen Sussman, who was then a lecturer at Wits University, to prepare um, evidence for the Fagan Commission on the situation of the of blacks in South Africa. And this actually signaled the start of her career in, in politics. So the South African Institute of Race Relations has been around for a very long time. When one looks at non-profit organizations now, non-governmental organizations, Chapter 9 institutions, etc., a lot of them came about um, post-1994, post-1996 constitution. But you guys have been there from the beginning. Who founded the organization? What was the actual reasoning behind having this this organization? It was a group of people... Uh from uh, politicians to uh, just influential people in South Africa at the time who uh, saw what was happening in the country. Uh, even though apartheid was only found, oh, started in 1948, uh, racial discrimination has a long history in South Africa from before then. So they saw this was a uh, kind of thing that, uh, that needed to be opposed, and that's why we were founded. And we were a strong voice through from 1929 through the apartheid years up until uh, Today, and we also had uh, Jan Hofmer, who was uh, basically Jan Smuts's deputy when he was prime minister, was also a very influential person in the Institute of Race Relations, and that is actually one of the probably one of the greatest tragedies of uh, uh, pre-1994 South Africa was that uh, Jan Hofmer died so young. He was one of uh, probably one of the um, uh, biggest liberal voices in South African history, and he died at a very young age. I think he was about 50, and he died in 1948, just before the United Party lost the election to uh, the National Party. I think uh, if somebody like that had uh, not passed away so early, South African history could have been uh, quite different. An organization such as yourselves that was created to foster good relations between different races must find it hard to, to understand the fact that in, in, in terms of having such a liberal constitution, 
that came about in 1996 as a result of the 1994 first democratic elections that suddenly race has reared its ugly head once again. We see race rhetoric from all race groups. You have Indians being targeted, um, you have whites being targeted, you have blacks being targeted, and you have coloreds that feel that they don't belong. Why do you think we've seen this increase in racism across the board in our country? Um, I think the first point to make is we uh, also have a very strong polling element at the Institute of Race Relations, and uh, our polls find uh, consistently that when people are asked what are the main problems in South Africa, racism is always one of the uh, things that people say it's actually not a problem. Uh, our most recent poll found I think only 4 or 5% of South Africans said racism was uh, the biggest problem in South Africa today. For most people, it's things like jobs and unemployment or education. This is the things that people uh, worry about. So our polls also find about 80% of South Africans uh, aren't racist and want to uh, know that the different race groups need to work together for South Africa to succeed. So I think uh, this is a uh, it's an issue of also a, a stuttering economy. Um, the, the some political parties, the ANC to a degree, and of course the EFF and the BLF, uh, that's a primary one, uh, use uh, minorities as, as scapegoats to a large degree. And uh, this isn't uh, even uh, with racism. We've seen there's also tribalism is also becoming something of a problem again in South Africa. And we saw how Jacob Zuma, when he became president, used his Zulu ethnicity to uh, get votes for the ANC in KwaZulu-Natal. So that's uh, something we have to uh, look at. So that's also why the Institute of Race Relations pushes uh, – Ideas that we think will grow the economy and re- re- uh, result in uh, low unemployment and lower levels of poverty in South Africa. If South Africa had carried on the path it was uh, under Thabo Mbeki when we were growing at about 5%, we probably would have had unemployment levels of about 15% rather than 25% on the strict definition or 40% on the expanded definition. Poverty would be far lower. And I, I think that racial rhetoric would be uh, actually far less of a problem. People, if they are... Uh, if they have jobs and uh, feel that they can become more prosperous going to the future, um, they don't uh, look for scapegoats for uh, a country's problems. And I think as the country continu- continues struggling economically, we will see probably from uh, political leaders that there might be uh, further racial rhetoric. Uh, we'll probably see it with this election where uh, certain race groups will be blamed for certain issues and so on. So I think the, one of the best ways to overcome uh, the racism in this country is for uh, economic growth to um, carry on uh, uh, or get economic growth to high levels where it was when Tabo Mbeki was president at about 5%. And I think we'll see that uh, race, um, racism, uh, racial rhetoric will probably decline. And as I say, racism is actually not the, one of the biggest problems uh, facing South Africa. And this is a consistent, uh, consi- consistent we find this in our polling. Um, talking about polling, we, we have a world leader that does not take polls seriously and his followers in America, in the mainstream media, especially on Fox, tend to disregard polling data. Could you explain to our listeners what polling data is and how it is that the, the institute itself that you are with um, conducts their polls? Well, we use a, a, an external company, so there's no uh, question of uh, political interference and so on. And uh, the best person to speak to on this would be my colleague Gareth von Ontelen, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. Uh, we uh, Every three months or so, we poll about uh, 1,500 South Africans, and they are selected. So there's demographic representativity, uh, correct proportion of different races and ages and so on. And uh, it's done through a way of um, 
uh, finding every cell phone number in South Africa, and these are uh, randomly selected, and then they called and asked certain questions and so on. Uh, we've just released a, a poll now about uh, political attitudes going up to the election, and we'll be releasing another one just before... Um, uh, in the week before the election So beginning of May People should look out for that That poll is very interesting Because you have the ANC dropping by Its current 62.5% All the way to 52% um, Do you believe that the ANC Has lost a lot of support? I think it's clear it has I saw in, I saw in 2016 The ANC uh, lost uh, Johannesburg Lost Chwane Lost Nelson Mandela Bay And that was uh, unthinkable uh, 10 years ago Nobody would have thought These cities That the ANC would lose these cities And I think we saw uh, A lot of people now Even though Cyril Ramaphosa Is still the president They know that uh, The ANC is still the governing party And even though uh, Jacob Zuma is no longer the president uh, Some of the core problems With the ANC are, are still there So I think the ANC Is going to lose some support But uh, with Big political parties like the ANC and the DA, uh, they do squeeze uh, when you get closer to an election. And you'll see lots of advertising, lots of radio ads and so on from these bigger political parties, lots of their activists on the ground getting people to who maybe were thinking of not voting for the ANC or the DA to uh, get to the polling booth and to vote for them. So there's no doubt that the ANC is going to lose uh, support in this uh, election, but uh Will it be 52%? I'm not so sure. But I think Gateng is probably the place to look out because that's where the ANC is very likely to fall under 50%. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens after the election. Will there be a ANC-EFF coalition or DA-EFF coalition? Or Musi Maimani said recently he's prepared to work with the ANC. So we might even see an ANC-DA coalition, which would be quite an interesting thing, I think. Working for an institute that fosters race relations, it must be difficult for you at times sharing a surname with somebody who is very active in terms of um, rights for whites, etc. And, of course, you're talking about Steve Hoffman's mate, Mr. Root, who is extremely active. Have you ever extended a, a hand to him to come through and have dialogue with other people of other races? Uh, no, we haven't, but I think... Uh no, no offense to Mr. Ritz, there's no uh, relation, uh, I just need to say that. Uh, I think certain people are, I don't call them lost causes, but I think there's some people where they'll have their ideas and uh, that's the kind of thing. And uh, if Mr. Ritz wants to live in Danefin and have his ideas about uh, other races and so on, that's fine. I think uh, there are many other people in South Africa you can work with and work together towards a the future. There are certain people that you perhaps don't have to include. People like Andile Mtitama would also be an example, I think. Amdeem Zimata was uh, a guest just prior to launching the BLF after he had left the EFF and one could see that like you said certain people um, cannot change and they are set in their ways and I suppose we should respect them in our constitutional democracy everyone has the right to to voice their opinion it's when it starts bordering on hate speech that we should be concerned we're going to take a break when we come back I want to talk to Morris about his latest campaign and that relates to the plunder of pension funds in South Africa you're listening to Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas. You listen to Confidential Brief. I'm in conversation with Marius Root from the South African Institute of Race Relations. Marius, you have recently started a campaign, and for our listeners that are just joining us, Marius is head of campaigns at the Institute of Race Relations. And this campaign is not race-based. It's based on pension funds and how pension funds are being affected by investment in South Africa. Tell us about this campaign and why it's so important to the Institute of Race Relations. Uh, well, as I said earlier, one of our um, uh, aims is to foster a, a country where economic growth happens and so on. And uh, we worried that uh, 
now with government debt levels becoming extremely unsustainable. Uh, government debt is now the highest it's ever been in South Africa's history, even including the apartheid era where uh, in the mid and uh, late 80s, uh, uh, government debt had, released, had reached uh, amazing levels. Now government debt is at about 60% uh, of, the, of GDP, and if we include the debt of state-owned enterprises like ESCOM and SAA, it gets very close to 90%, which is completely unsustainable and which is much higher than um, other uh, emerging market co- uh, countries. So uh, the government is it's effectively uh, running out of money, and uh, so there are probably three options that the government has. The first is to look at taxpayers to get more uh, money out of taxpayers, but we think this is probably uh, the, this is unlikely. Taxpayers are already getting squeezed for a lot of money, and there's probably not much more that they can do. Uh, secondly, they can, the government could approach uh, international lenders, such as the International Monetary Fund, but we think this is also unlikely as the government would then lose uh, control over policy. They'd have to make certain cuts to the wage bill or uh, make uh, other changes to policy, and we think the government is very unlikely to do that. I mean, they don't, it would be effectively losing sovereignty. So what we think is very likely is that the government will look to ordinary South Africans' uh, pensions. And what they can do is... Um, They'll simply, they don't even have to change the law for uh, these changes. They can simply change regulations such as Regulation 28 and uh, pension fund managers will be mandated to uh, invest in, they'll probably call it a developmental sector, but developmental in uh, scare quotes. Uh, And uh, so your pension fund will have to invest in, say, uh, ESCOM or SAA or something like that. So your pension pension money that you've been saving will go to uh, propping up uh, Badly run state-owned enterprises. That's frightening because when one looks at the PIC, um, which is the biggest investor on the African continent, and um, they've invested a lot of money from the government employee pension fund um, into an array of investments, including property portfolios that were seriously overvalued. And of course, we know that they invested heavily into Steinhoff. Um, there were no checks and balances in place. So what we are saying is there's a similar scenario on the horizon where our very own pension fund administrators may be compelled to invest in um, what you term as develop, develop, developmental um, structures, but which could very well be used to prop up state-owned entities. Yes, exactly. That is uh, what we're concerned about. And uh, uh, we, uh, our campaign is uh, to put pressure on uh, the government and uh, on the industry to make a stand against this. And I'll just do a little punt for it now. Uh, uh, listeners are invited to SMS the word pension to 32823. Because uh, one of the best ways to build pressure on uh, something like the government is to show that there's a groundswell of support from ordinary people to oppose this. And the Institute of Race Relations has been very good at building pressure in the past. We are good at doing it under apartheid by using uh, research and uh, pressure in the media and behind the scenes and so on. And we've actually, uh, one of our successes recently, I'd say, is on expropriation without compensation. We're one of the leading voices against it. And if you look uh, now, the president uh, has been very quiet about talking about expropriation without compensation because uh, I think the government uh, has seen that the, there is a large groundswell of support against expropriation without compensation, and we've shown the damage it will do to the economy if we do follow a policy such as that. So there's a similar thing with pensions. If we can show that there's a large uh, number of people who are opposed to it, then I think we can make the government step back on uh, this policy.
We've seen um, the government employees pension fund um, used to fund um, shareholdings in organisations such as Steinoff, etc. through the PRC. We've seen the Transnet Pension Fund plundered, money taken out, which should have gone back in when the VNA Waterfront, for example, was sold out of that particular fund um, to Dubai World. Um, this particular campaign, how are you going to get the common man on the street to understand that this is not government employees that have been affected, but every single person in South Africa who has invested in a pension fund? Uh, I think we also need to uh, make the point that it's not even every single person who's invested in a pension fund in South Africa. It's actually much larger than that. Uh, Mark Schussler from Economist.co.za has worked closely with the institute on this, and he's shown that there's about probably 11 million people in South Africa who either draw from a pension or contribute to a pension fund. But he estimates, uh, including people who rely on pensioners to support them, because as you know, there's a very large uh, unemployment problem in South Africa, he estimates that if this happens, probably at least half of all South Africans will be directly affected by this. So it's a very big problem. And uh, there might also be a perception that uh, pensioners are old white people, for example. But uh, Mike also showed about 60% of all uh, pension contributions come from black South Africans today. And if we include Indian and colored South Africans, it's probably more about 80% of um, uh, pension contributions come from people who aren't white in South Africa. So it's very... Uh, a large problem and uh, it'll affect lots of South Africans and if your pension fund is invested in say for example ESCOM rather than a well-run company you'll most likely get a lot less money when you do retire or you'll, you'll have to uh, delay your retirement by three, four, five, even more years to make sure you'll be able to retire comfortably. So, And at the same time, it's uh, important to point out that uh, pension funds will in, invest in uh, companies that may be owned by the government, but they have to be well run and they should not be uh, compelled to invest in companies that are very poorly run. We've seen, I mean, people would probably be likely to invest in ESCOM in the mid-2000s when it had a better debt rating than the government. But today we've all seen what's happening in ESCOM and driving out today I drove through a number of robots with no, uh, which were out. That's obviously because of failings at ESCOM. So I don't think anybody would uh, want to invest in a company like ESCOM right now. Morris, in closing, give us the SMS number again, give us the hashtag, give us the Twitter account and give us the Facebook account and any other way the public can get involved in this campaign. Uh, they can SMS uh, 32823 or SMS the word pension to 32823. And the hashtag we've been using is hashtag uh, protect pensions. And they can also like us on Facebook, just Institute of, or South African Institute of Race Relations. Also like us on Twitter, that's RRR underscore South Africa. And, uh, yeah, if they can get involved and encourage their, uh, friends and family to also, uh, take a stand against this because, uh, as I say, Meddling with pensions will affect uh, a large number of South Africans, and even if you don't have a pension, uh, it'll affect. It'll be an issue uh, in the long run if we don't uh, make sure that the government doesn't uh, carry on with uh, this possible plan. Marius Ruet from the South African Institute of Race Relations. Thank you for joining us today, and I will be repeating those um, hashtags and social media accounts on our social media page a little bit later today. Marius, thank you. Thanks a lot.